Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome to Cheaper Than Therapy, a podcast that journeys into conversations that demystify, destigmatize, and desensitize what goes on both inside the therapy room and in daily life. I'm Vanessa Bennett. And I'm Danae Logan. And we are seekers, soul sisters, and holders of sacred space. Every week, we sit down for soul-provoking conversations with fellow seekers, thought leaders, change makers, and even real people during live coaching sessions as they navigate the hard work it takes to be a human. This is Cheaper Than Therapy. Hey, everybody. So excited to tell you some news that we have. So we've heard your feedback and <laughs> we are listening. Just know. I hope you know that. So Danae and I have done a bunch of week-long intensive retreats and we've gotten a lot of you reaching out saying, oh, it's so long. Can you do it shorter? Right. Mm -hmm. um, feels like it's a lot of time to get away for some of you and we totally get that. So we've decided to do a condensed version of our retreats and we're going to bring it to you in a weekend. Yeah. You know what I love about this is we go to Idlewild, California pretty frequently, and it feels like a retreat escape like into the woods and just like almost like summer camp. It's so much fun. And I love that we decided to sort of merge the work that we do in these intensive experiences with the fun that we have in Idlewild and um, just like being out in this like really beautiful setting together. Totally. So I'm actually going to invite y'all into my home and we are going <laughs> to have it at my house in my beautiful setting in Idlewild, California, July 14th through 16th. We're going to have a small number of spaces because it is going to be a more condensed version and there's less space than these giant ones that we usually do. So get on it if you're interested. But you know, you know what to expect. If you're listening to this, you know what Danae and I love to talk about. So there'll be <laughs> you all know the how good things. We do. <laughs> you know how we do. Codependency recovery, um, interdependence, shadow work. Yes. All the things that we love to talk about 
at nauseum, but we're giving you an opportunity to dive in those deep waters with us and like really get in it in a pretty condensed weekend immersive. Yeah. So if you're interested, there is a longer, more detailed explanation of what to expect uh, at the link in both of our bios, either of our bios. So get on it, y'all. It's going to sell out quick July 14th through 16th in Idlewild, California. Hello. Hello. (laughs) Welcome back, y'all, to some cheaper (laughs) than therapy. Another Q&A for you. Um, this one I thought was really interesting, hmm. mostly because it feels topical and relevant right now. Um, okay. also because like usual, it feels like a gateway into a larger conversation because it's never about the thing, right? Hmm. It's always about what's going on <laughs> underneath the thing. So Hard. somebody asked, I have friends who identify with alternative pronouns and I don't see things that way, but I like my friend's company. Should I tell them how I feel? Is it necessary to keep the friendship honest? Alternative mm. pronouns? I don't know. I guess what they're mean is alternative to what they think the person should be called. What their pronouns should be. Should. Um, okay. The good old S word. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so how do we feel? Well, I'm curious to hear what this is bringing up for you, V. Um, well all things come back to codependency. You know? <laughs> I mean, honestly, I, I, I guess my question is, um, why, why do does it care? bother you? <laughs> like, who gives, uh, listen, I mean, I'm going to be super crass here. I'll be the New Yorker, but like, who gives a shit? I don't care if like, if you came to me tomorrow and you were like, I now identify as a spaceship. I'd be like, well, okay, cool. I still love you. <laughs> Like, I'm so glad you said that because <laughs> because I have some news for you. I have something to tell you, babe. Um, ultimately, I think if we truly love people and they said that they enjoy this friendship, you know, this person's company, what does it matter if you agree with what they call themselves or not? Like, why mm. does that feel relevant for you in the relationship? And why does it feel like if somebody doesn't fit or conform into what you think they should, that you can't be in relationship with them? Yeah. There was a line in there and I I almost kind of want you to read it for me at the end. It was like in the, is it necessary to keep the friendship honest? To keep the friendship honest. Yeah. That, that line sort of like perked my ears forward a little bit because what does that mean? Like, it feels like there's something in that that's not rooted in, um, truth in terms of intention to me. And I, you know, obviously (laughs) that's just like what's coming up, but to keep the friendship honest, does that mean that you say every thought that you have? And like, it feels like I'm not owning the fact that I feel like there is a right and a wrong here. And I feel like I need to express the fact that I believe that something you are doing is wrong. Do you know what I mean? hundred percent. Yeah. I think you just nailed that. I think that's what the question actually is without being worded that way or maybe not wanting to be worded that way. I think that especially more so now than ever across all landscapes that we're seeing, social landscapes, political landscapes, I mean, religious landscapes, all the things, um, mm-hmm. this idea of something being right or wrong, bad or good, black or white is so relevant, right? Um, mm. And why is it that we feel And I mean, you and I have, we have thoughts on this, obviously, but like, why is it that we feel if somebody does not fit within the category of what I think is right or wrong, do I feel that they are 
not somebody I can be in relationship with, right? Like I think that they're lesser than in some way. Cause ultimately that's, that is what it is. Like maybe this person doesn't realize that the way that they're wording this is coming across that way, or that's really what's kind of going on. But if you feel like there is a should that is not being met, that you somehow should communicate it to this person, ultimately what you're feeling is that your right is putting you up on some kind of pedestal. There's a righteousness that's actually coming yeah. up in that. Um, and I think all of us today could really stand to look at ourselves with some of the righteousness that we all can step into and slip into. And listen, this is a human thing. I think humans have a tendency to get into a place of righteousness, but I do think mm. just like anything else, it's our responsibility to call ourselves out on our bullshit when we get a little bit too righteous, right? A little bit too big for our bridges. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think there's you know, I think I was telling you, I was at a dinner a couple months ago now with a bunch of people who um, were not from the States. I think I was like one, you know, one of like two people who grew up in the United States, right? And so the people at the dinner party were talking about how they find it fascinating how challenging it is for Americans to hold ambiguity. And they were like, mm -hmm. y'all, like, you just can't do it. Like, mm -hmm. you can't see nuance or multiple truths that exist at one time. Like, you have to go to your corners and like make people wrong. And I was like, yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Like I, I don't really, I don't really have anything to say except that I completely agree. But I do think that there's, to me, um, a level of emotional maturity that is required for us to stay mm -hmm. in the space of. Um, I don't have to lose my center and lose my sense of self to stay in conversation with someone who I don't agree with their perspective and stay curious about it. And I can't remember. Uh, T.K. Coleman, is that his name from The Minimalists? Mm -hmm. He was talking about that in a way that I just thought was so poignant. I really like his perspectives on so many things, but he was talking about like, that is ultimately the gauge of how, like, I don't know how clear you are and how you feel. If you can have a conversation about something without being rocked to your core, like mm -hmm. the truth doesn't need defense. So if it is impossible for you to stay in conversation with someone in the space of curiosity when they feel differently than you do about a subject, then what are you afraid of to me? It becomes like, are you afraid that you're going to be challenged in a way that makes you feel uncomfortable? Are you mm -hmm. afraid that, um, I don't know, that it means something if you're in conversation with someone who is different in their perspectives from you. I think that it's just like, we don't change anything as long as we stay in our echo chambers with people who feel the exact same way as we do. And, you know, I've talked about this. I'm like, I would love to sit down with these people who like, you know, have very different perspectives politically than me because I'm curious, like, help me understand how you got to where you've landed. Right. And I think that's something that um, I've taken from Marianne Williamson, actually, and we've been talking about her a little bit lately, but like that, this is our responsibility, I believe, as a country right now to be able to hold that ambiguity. And it's a little bit of a maturation process mm -hmm. of saying, um, I'm not afraid to be in conversation with someone who holds a different truth than I do and not feel like I can't hold on to my sense of self in the midst of that conversation, you know? Well, wasn't that, I think, I can't remember who I was hearing that from that was saying, um, and maybe I've just heard this multiple places, but this idea that like America as a country shouldn't say America, the United States as a country, uh, is in like its adolescent phase, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you look at the rest of the world, 
we're so young in comparison. Um, and if you really look at it as like a, a, like a maturation, like you were saying, um, we are in the stage of adolescence where things do feel very black and white. Um, you know, when you're in adolescent phase, that is when you start to get a sense of justice and fairness and this is right and you're wrong and black or white. Right. And, and a little bit of righteousness, I mean, really is what starts to come into play around that time. And, you know, I often say that one of the gauges for EQ, for emotional intelligence, is actually the ability to sit with opposing truths, right? It's the ability to sit in the, the discomfort of the tension of the opposites. And for a lot of people, that skill doesn't really start to even happen until that prefrontal cortex development, which is like early 20s, right? So if we are adolescent in our behavior right now, and our as a country, prefrontal cortex is not yet developed, <laughs> then we are going to be doing things um, like not being able to sit in that discomfort. And I think that even for adults, right, we have that ability once that part of the brain is developed, but we still have to practice it. And we still have to, again, be able to call ourselves out when we're, when we're kind of slipping into our, uh, our lower, the lowest version of ourselves. Right. Um, also I would say too, this doesn't mean that you have to be in intimate relationship with people that you highly disagree with. Like, I think there's mm. like, don't misunderstand me or us when we say, um, being able to be in relationship too does not mean I have to have you in my close circle, right? Like if you believe something that fundamentally challenges, you know, what I believe to be true, I do have the right, just like everybody does to make a decision about whether or not I want you in my life, but I don't get to decide for you what your right and wrong is, right? Now we get back into God complex. Like, who am I to say that this is right for you? I get to say what's right for me. And that's the only thing I get to say. I don't even get to say what's right or wrong for my children, right? I get to live in accordance with what I believe to be my truth. And then my children are going to watch that and they're going to decide whether or not they want to live the same way or not, right? And a lot of people have a hard time with that because people think like, oh, it's my job to like mold my kids. And if they somehow disagree with me that like they're bad, I'm bad, you know, all these things come up. And it's like, what point do we realize that it's just not our responsibility to tell other people how to live their lives? Yeah. I saw this, um, this yogi this morning had posted something like, forget the idea that it is your child is your student. You are their student. Like your children Ooh, came here amen. to teach you. We have it Ooh, so backwards. Um, but circling to what you were saying, I think there's something interesting in the idea of, um, you know, when you were saying you don't have to be in close, intimate relationships with people that you have different perspectives with from, excuse me. And I think what's interesting to me is that it's energy, right? Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times each of us has the right to hold a sense of discernment around the energy that we surround ourselves with, meaning if there is really hateful, vitriolic energy in someone's sphere, um, which oftentimes when we are in the space of fear, that energy will be present, right? Mm -hmm. But what I will say is oftentimes in our polarization or in the other side of the aisle, we become that same energetic mm -hmm. in opposition to the thing that we disagree, we are in disagreement with. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it becomes... Yes, each of us has the right to say, I don't want to engage in the energy of um, vitriol or rage or anger. Um, I can certainly like be in curiosity about that anger and like name it and sort of like see if there's a way to 
you know, just like shift the energy between myself and another person. But also I think to the point you were making about righteousness, I think it's really important for us to check ourselves around when do I become that same energetic that I'm holding with contempt in my space of certainty that they are wrong about whatever their perspective is, you know? Yeah. You know, I think often like my mom and I staying in relationship, even though we have very different political beliefs. And Mm -hmm. I think I've had to do a lot of work around that. I mean, I'm sure she has as well. Um, And also I think kind of what I've come to maybe in the last like year or so is really the like understanding of, or like maybe more integration of the truth that I know that my mother and I are actually more similar than we are Mm -hmm. dissimilar. Is that a word? Yeah. Dissimilar. Is that Mm -hmm. a word? (laughs) Um, And I think that really coming to that, like the things that, that we don't agree on, yes, they're there. And I think this is actually a kind of a metaphor for all of us. They're there. And I'm not saying they're not, but underneath those things, there's so much more about us that is similar that if we're so focused on what is dissimilar, we can't see the things that are similar, right? And so um, for me, a lot of times when we are in disagreement about stuff, and I will just call it stuff, I have to remind myself of the similarities that we have, right? And I have to remind myself that, um, you know, we are both open-hearted, loving people, that we both love my daughter, that we both love animals, that we both, like whatever, right? I can list out all the ways that we are very similar people. Um, you know, we speak up for people that we we believe are, you know, being wronged in some way. Like, I, And so my point in saying that is that also is a practice I think that a lot of us would benefit from, which is in this moment of feeling like I am better than this person or this person is so different than me that I can't even relate to them. Can I actually stop and pause and say, okay, and what about us do I think might be similar? And I think you can do this practice even with people you don't know, right? So, uh, you know, it could be somebody on the other side of the aisle in another part of the country. And I might say, yes, but you know, this person is a parent. And what I do know is that they love their children. That is something we share, right? And what I do know is that they fear for their children. That is something that we share, right? Um, And I think that that as a practice can be really powerful. And I think it can really shape the way we're able to show up in relationship to people that, you know, disagree with us. Yeah, I love that. And I think that if we boil it down, as you know, I always love to do to the distinction between fear and love, which is Mm -hmm. always present, I think... I always say, look for the fear in the conversation, because whenever we are charged or um, feel strongly about something, there's always one of those things present. It's either to the point that you made, it's always us defending against something that we're afraid of, but underneath that we're defending in defense of what we love, right? So if we can look for where they're afraid, the common ground is what we love which normally we can connect on, right? Um, But when we seek to see someone's fear, it's really hard, I find, to hold someone with a whole lot of contempt when they're afraid. That's just maybe the way my brain processes it. But I remember, and we've talked about this a ton of times, but that man who murdered George Floyd, like I remember looking at him and thinking, God, like what happened to you? And it's sort of like, the way that my brain processes things since I've become a therapist is I see like the little child in people. Totally. Like I, I could mm-hmm. see his little boy and I was like, God, 
I wonder what happened to you that you're this afraid of people, um, that you feel like you need to like be in that charged state of like, I can't even see this person's humanity anymore. And I started to feel compassion. I started to feel, Mm -hmm. um, not even compassion, but just like where we are the same, you know, where Mm -hmm. there is like a similarity in terms of like, I, I am afraid too. And I'm sure there are ways that I act in reckless ways when I'm afraid. Um, but I think so often if we can say, can I seek to understand what this person is afraid of and how that might be motivating their actions and sort of circling back to the question um, this person asked, I would do that for myself a little Mm -hmm. bit. I would be in the inquiry around like what I'm afraid of, what it means for me if someone you know, uses a different pronoun than what I think is, what did she say, alternative, um, what I believe is the pronoun that people should be using. Mm -hmm. Um, What does that bring up for me? Is there some sort of a charge in terms of what I'm afraid of that I can be curious about? Yeah. And I think anytime we feel like, oh, should I speak up about this thing? Again, the question, we really have to just look inward and say like, what, I guess, what do I feel like is the motivator behind behind speaking up, which is, I think, going back to the fear question, right? And what's my intention? Like, what is the Mm -hmm. motivation for speaking up? Because if the motivation is to change them, if the motivation is to make sure they know that I think I'm better than them, if the motivation Mm -hmm. is to, you know, like we, and we have to be real, like we can't Mm -hmm. sugarcoat this shit, you guys. (laughs) Like, it's not about like, well, I'm a good person. And that's not why I would be asking that question. Yeah. Okay. We all think we're good people. But we really have to be able to be real with ourselves. What is your motivation for asking that question, for offering that feedback, right? Like, let's be fucking honest here. And it's not, you're not a bad person. It's a little bit in the realm of like, what am I afraid of? It Mm -hmm. means if we have a different perspective, but it's not about, we need to speak all truths in our friendship. I promise there's some truths that you were able to hold to yourself and not speak to your friends. So let's, to your point, call a thing a thing and say, can I understand what my intention is in having this conversation? Well, and I think like the reason why I got so like, let's just be fucking real about this is because I think (laughs) so often we come back to like the, this might mean that I'm good or bad. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think our ego is so so strongly defended against believing in any way that we are wrong or we are bad, that we will go out of our way to keep ourselves in a good light and put everybody else in a bad light. That's where this righteousness comes from, right? And so if we can really see that and challenge ourselves in that state, I think we can get to those places of compassion. Um, I think Mm -hmm. I can get to a place of, you know, I say all the time to couples, like, you can attempt to understand this person and be compassionate for where they're at and also not agree with them. It doesn't have to be that black or white, right? Like you were talking about that police officer that murdered George Floyd. You were able to find compassion. It doesn't mean that you were like, oh yeah, when we're afraid, we go out and murder people, right? It's like, you're not condoning behavior. And I do think, again, going back to this black or white, how we are so in this black and white phase, this very adolescent phase of development, that Mm -hmm. is an indication of an adolescent way of being in the world is like, it's gotta be that black and white, right? So can I also challenge myself to say, can I find empathy? Can I find compassion? And I don't always have to agree and that's fine. And they don't have to agree with me. And that's also fine Mm. too. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thanks y'all for listening until next time. (laughs) Thanks for joining us for this episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to share it with a friend, subscribe, and give us a five-star review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. 
And if you want to connect with us more, find us on Instagram at Cheaper Than Therapy, the podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com